0: Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org
1: for more information. At this point in time, we're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. They're the Lord's, actually. And we talked last week about how it's an act of worship. Now, here's the one thing. If you're a visitor here today, you're passing on through, you're not in a relationship with God, don't expect you to participate in the offering. Let it pass you on by. But for us, we've said it's actually an act of worship. So this morning, as we receive the offering, um, the team is going to lead us in a a song. And um, I would encourage you, if you want to sing with it, you can. If you want to just let the music wash over you, you can. Either way, that's fine. Um, Pay attention to the nuance of the music for two reasons. One, it's because it's just beautiful. But two, what you're going to hear coming after that is going to be quite, quite different. Okay? Having said that, uh, normally we would pray at this point in time. But actually, I'm going to ask the ushers if they would just come forward really right now, if you would. And just go ahead and begin to receive the offering as our team plays, and we'll pray afterwards. Would you stand with me, please? One last time. Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We ask, Lord, that the proceeds from this offering would be used for your purposes with wisdom, with integrity, to further the expanse of your kingdom on this earth. We ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us now out of your word that you'd guide us into an understanding of the signs of the times that we're in right now. Shape our hearts and our minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're brand new to what's taking place, we are in a series entitled Signs, and um, this series is in actual two parts, even though it's been multi-part, it's in two sections. The first section has been dealing with um, signs of the times, and Jesus said, boy, you know what's going on with the weather, but you have no idea of the signs of the times, and so we've been uh, attempting to address some of that. Next week, we shift. And the subject will still be signs, but it's going to be the signs of Jesus as Messiah. As we walk up to Easter, what are the signs of Jesus? Um, What you just heard was a worship song that was done in a pretty traditional style. In a little bit of time, you're going to hear something a little bit different. But before we get to that, let's take a look at how um, our lives have evolved since the 1900s. Okay? Um, it's weird to say that, the 1900s, like you get an image of covered wagons or something else, you know? And, and yet we're here in the 2000s, and as we discuss this subject today of warning signs, um, I want to kind of highlight a few things. For many of us that were present here growing up, we grew up with a corded telephone. Now some of you have a hard time imagining that there was actually a cord attached to the phone that actually went to a wall and so you were limited. If you were lucky, you had a very long cord, and as a young person, you could go around the corner, maybe stretch up possibly to a place where mom and dad couldn't hear too much, but uh, they knew you were on the phone, so eventually they would say, come on, it's been an hour, get off the phone. I don't know how many times I heard that, okay, in conversations. Everything's changed since that time. We're now uh, children of the 2000s. MySpace was in uh, 2003, quickly overtaken in 2004 by Facebook. It's obsolete now. Twitter in 2006. Instagram, 2010. Snapchat, 2011. And parents, if you're not tuned into TikTok, you're out of it. TikTok in 2017 has become the premier mobile platform. Cell phones have detached us from all these other items. Uh, Just a few years ago, 5% of the public was in social media. Now over 80% are involved with social media. It's changed how we interact with each other. It's changed parenting forever. And it's impacting a generation like never before. Culture has shifted dramatically and is changing now practically hour by hour, certainly year by year, compared to the decades it took to shape things in the past. The Grammys capture somewhat of culture for good or for ill. And there was a song recently that was written and sung by Demi Lovato, that I wanna play for you this morning. She sang it at the Grammys. It's a reflection of a significant portion of her life and you'll see the emotion. We could have had one of our singers sing it. We have people that are capable for that. But I felt it was more important for you to see her experience on this. In fact, she struggles so much that something you rarely see in a national broadcast, she has a false start. She can't start it right and she has to re-begin, begin uh, it anew. Um, Now, I'm going to warn you, uh, there is a biblical word that she uses in an unbiblical fashion in the song. The word is hell. (coughs) Biblical word. Not going to be used in a biblical fashion. So, and if you're a parent and you find the song stirring, you might realize, you might uh, also be informed, she's actually uh, using that to replace another word that's a lot worse uh, in the actual album. Okay, so just to tune you in, but I want you to capture... The words, the heart, and um, a little bit of a slice of life of uh, one of these cultures, Emma Lovato.
0: I tried to talk to my piano, I tried to talk to my guitar, talk to my imagination, confided into alcohol. I tried and tried tried some more. Told secrets till my voice was sore. Tired of empty conversation cause no one hears me anymore. A hundred million stories and a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. Nobody's listening to me. They always get it wrong I feel stupid when I pray too many times I just need some more affection anything to get me by a hundred million stories and a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing nobody's listening to me nobody's listening I talk to shooting stars but they always get it wrong I feel stupid In a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing Nobody's listening to me Nobody's listening
1: I feel an intense sense of compassion for this woman. She's a phenomenal vocalist. But the insecurities that she has is screaming out. Does anyone even hear me anymore? Now, the irony is everyone is listening to her, tens of thousands of people. She struggled with everything from sexuality and identity issues to uh, body imagery. Here's someone of one of the most successful people in our culture. And she, you know, she sings this song, Is there anyone even paying attention to me? And the anxiety of even dropping behind and maybe not succeeding still and becoming um, cast away at this early age rides even deep within her heart. She's had some encounter with Faith in the, back, in the past um, but is still struggling in that arena entirely. And there's some concern as to why she should be a little bit edgy because at this same performance, um, there was another young artist who actually has been identified increasingly as the voice of this generation. How many of you are not aware of but are familiar with Billie Eilish? Can you check some things out. Billie Eilish Pirate Baird O'Connell. She was born December 18th, 2001. She's an American singer-songwriter. She first gained entry um, to the market, not by radio in the mainstream, but by the mobile platforms that your teenagers are listening to. That was the first thing that spun her up to success and then got tapped by things. She's the youngest person and second person ever to win the four main Grammy categories, Best New Artist, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Album of the Year, all in the same year. Her debut album was When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? The album has uh, six top 40 singles, When the Party's Over, Bury a Friend, Wish You Were Gay, Zanny, which is about Xanax, Everything I Wanted, and Bad Guy. This individual has probably done more to present music and the voices, as I said, of a generation than practically anyone else that you're going to find out there. One article said this, um, actually quoted Uh, her brother at the time that they received because he's a collaborator with her when they received the Grammys I believe the same Grammys that uh, Demi sang this song um, said this Phineas flatly offered quote we didn't think it would win anything ever we wrote an album about depression and suicidal thoughts and climate change and being the bad guy whatever that means and we stand up here confused and grateful was his response if you listen to a few songs you might be a little confused as well too um, her music is a little bit out there, and that's actually part of what attracts young people to it, because it's just kind of different and weird in certain ways. Um, she raked in all these different accolades. Uh, her music's been referred to sometimes as scary. Some of the lyrics, in fact, are a little bit scary. This is from Barry a Friend. Quote, today I'm thinking about the things that are deadly, the way I'm drinking you down, like I want to drown, like I want to end me. Her style has changed over the years from when she first previewed with Ocean Eyes, uh, um, her Nigel uh, um, album and song, to then the change rapidly coming along. In 2017, no, she had 257 uh, connections there. Uh, in 2018, 6.3 million. 2019, 40.7. And her style has changed along with the, the process of that. Um, her wardrobe is decidedly asexual and awkward. Her facial expressions are mostly flat, uh, peppered with cynicism. They all evoke an ascetic that today's teenagers get. And it goes like this. Life is hard. Adults are handing down a very screwed up world. Politics are depressing. Why not try and find a way to laugh about it? And so her style is a mixture of horror and humor at the same time. One article said, her, quote, her understated, near-mumbling voice stands out against the likes of Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande or even Demi Lovato. Ella Eilish's vibe endears her to young people looking for an unpretentious hero, someone unwilling to play by the rules of beauty, presentation, or even music genre itself. Because all this speaks as to what teenagers perhaps need most, hope. Now, whether you're uh, new to Eilish or not, we don't need to look too far to realize that teenagers today are hurting in our society. Seventy percent of teenagers in a recent study considered anxiety and depression a major problem amongst their generation. We've just, uh, discussed this to, uh, in the past in this church. Suicide is currently the second leading cause of death in young people aged 10 to 24. And it's estimated that two out of three, every young people, every young persons, experience suicidal thoughts that don't even get help. Uh, and it's a lot of pain, mashed with a lot of silence. While well, feeling lonely and misunderstood are hallmarks of adolescence and especially young adulthood, some g- suggest that Generation Z is the loneliest yet. A just released study found seven out of ten often feel misunderstood. New York article on Eilish's appeal to the loneliest generation, quote-unquote, um, last fall, quoted a 21-year-old saying, quote, I think Gen Z is extremely lonely. Four exclamation points after that. Song like When the Party's Over, yet right at the desperate, gnawing sense of isolation, social media has sewn into a generation who are becoming increasingly sequestered. As we talked uh, recently, even with one of our 20-somethings, they're saying the level of anxiety of not knowing what's happening of, of, of having an awareness of life as a whole is overwhelming and crushing. Now everyone experiences anxiety on one level or another, but teen- teenagers are having something of a more intense version of this than I think many of us are aware of. And today what I'm trying to speak to are both those who are dealing with it, but also to the parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and those of you who have friends that have children. Things have changed dramatically from even just a few years ago. It was 10, 15 years ago. We had one of our artists present Avril Lavigne's song, I'm With You. And that song said, I'm standing on a bridge. I'm waiting in the dark. I thought that you'd be here by now. There's nothing but the rain, no footsteps on the ground. I'm listening, but there's no sound. Is anyone trying to find me? Won't somebody come take me home? It's a really cold night, modified that bit. Trying to figure out this life. Won't you take me by the hand? Take me somewhere new. I don't know who you are, but I'm with you. I'm looking for a place. I'm searching for a face. Is anybody here I know? Because nothing's going right and everything's a mess and no one likes to be alone. This was 10, 15 years ago. Avril Lavigne is one of Billie Eilish's influences that she states. The song starts off by saying, I'm standing on a bridge. And if the generation past was standing on a bridge, that's changed actually dramatically now i presented to you a couple of signs in the past. I've got one more beyond this in this series I want to present to you. Two, really. I've got one for today that I want to show you real quickly. I like this sign. Caution! This sign has sharp edges! Do not touch the edges of the sign. Okay, so I like this. Caution! This sign has sharp edges! Do not touch the edges of the sign. But I don't know if you can notice the small line at the bottom. Also, the bridge is out ahead. <laughs> It's shouting one thing but we find that there's something else that's actually there and if this generation is struggling more and more they're maybe embracing the idea that we'll cross that bridge when we get to it not realizing because they haven't read the small print that the bridge is actually out. We've gone from Avril standing on a bridge to a group that's standing on the edge of a bridge that's gone and failed and it's mostly adults frankly that have that have failed that. Avril started off singing in church same as a lot of major artists from Whitney Houston to Elvis Presley. How does all of this cultural impact relate to a Sunday morning conversation in our regards for Scripture? I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) We had talked last week in the issue of worship about how um, the Jewish people, even to this day, Orthodox will at various times take a a box, a leather box that has scriptures in it, and they'll tie it to their forearms or upon their forehead. And um, they'll even put them in small little boxes and put them at the uh, doorposts of their home. This is all rooted in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we said, verse 18 and 20, where God's instructing the children of Israel, saying, fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. He was saying, put these things in front of you so that you don't forget... But over time, our rituals, our actions, our worship become just that, ritualistic, detached from real form. The purpose of this was not to have little leather boxes on our foreheads and on our arms or to sing certain songs. The purpose of this was, quote, fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Put them in your heart. Put them in your mind. Let them change who you are and how you think. But it goes on in this same passage beyond what we talked about last week of these phylacteries and these leather articles. In verse 19, it says, teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorframes of your houses and your gates. But teach them to your children, it's saying. Teach them to your children. It is not the work of the church to educate The children. I was a youth pastor for eleven years. One year in another church, ten years here. I don't know how many times I have a parent come up to me, and this was back in the 1900s, and would say to me, "Fix my kid." I'm sitting here going, "Thanks. You've had them all week long. I get them for an hour or two, and I'm supposed to fix them from what you've done." It was an impossible task. The best that we can do as a fellowship is to come alongside those of you who are concerned enough about this to have your own relationship with God, your own understanding as an adult, that from that, your own children see something. And then we can come alongside that and we can leverage that hugely. And we do. Justin leads Axiom, a youth group that meets regularly that has outreaches and, and education and fellowship and, and a peer group to encourage people. John Freeman, we've recently released to not just lead Ethos, our 20-something ministries, but with a vast experience in, in campus ministry to engage the universities and the campuses in our area, recognizing that oftentimes when kids leave home, their faith is challenged, not just in college. Increasingly, it's happening in the senior year of, of high school as they're being preconditioned. And so we've made another commitment. We're partnered regularly with an organization called RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, one of the the foremost uh, um, apologetic organizations in the world, defending the faith, teaching on these things. To have the thinker uh, believe and the believer to think is their motto. And they have something that's going to be on July 21st through 24th of this year that they're going to do annually entitled Refresh. It's a four-day training event for high school upperclassmen and college freshmen. And it's to, to, to help them in what they're, being, uh, what they're having to deal with. And so they can ask questions about faith and about other items. And we're prepared to underwrite this to a degree, if not full scholarships, and at least enough to make sure that any one of our juniors and seniors and freshmen in college, our juniors and seniors in high school, can go to that this year, can be encouraged and equipped So we're taking the active steps that we can, but the greatest impact are parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. This has always been the case, despite the influence of a Presley or the the rock music that we grew up in the 1900s or the current music of a Billie Eilish. As we go into um, Scripture, into even further... We sit here and find out at one point in time that, that Jesus is addressing some of the music of the time, if you will, or some of the culture, at least, of the time. John the Baptist is about to be executed. John was a very severe, intense, you're going to hell, you're all gonna die, you need to change, you know. It was a wake-up call. Jesus comes along and, for want a better term, he's, he's hanging out at the bars and hanging out with the crowd. Totally different view. So in Matthew chapter 11 Jesus is challenging the culture. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? And that's not just an age group. It's a group that buys into a whole mindset of the time. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, but you didn't dance. In other words, we played a song. We sang a dirge, a different type of song, and you did not mourn. In other words, he's sitting here and saying that, that, that John the Baptist was detached from culture, challenging it, intense and saying, look, at you're all sinning, you're all going to die, you need to repent. Jesus has a similar message, but he comes alongside, he's hanging out, and they said, you're a hedonist and you're a crazy guy. What's being said is this, that, that God approaches us, but whether he sings a tune of severity to challenge us, and rock our world, or whether he comes with the gentleness and the grace of a loving Savior, we still ignore the sound of the music and the melodies that he's playing. And even we as adults are having difficulty standing against the weight of the issues that we face as we no longer know what's true or even effective. And so Demi Lovato sings, please send me anyone that can penetrate my world, anyone that can reach past my insecurities, anyone that can see me, that can hear me. I feel stupid when I sing anymore. My primary identification and talent is useless to me in this. And what's worse is I feel stupid even when I pray. Please, send me anyone, someone, I need someone. The sad thing is there's already an answer provided, but it's often been made unpalatable by the church and by Christians. Young people, so pressed by your own insecurities and by your own alienation, it's easy to get lost. You're so much smarter and quicker than your parents and all the electronic stuff. You know it faster and better than we do. Phone cord's been touched, or been cut, rather, And so you have everything on a mobile platform that you need. No one can keep track of you. You're a law unto yourself. The question is, what are you going to do with that power? What are you going to do with the choices given to you? Where do you go? Last week I I read to you a little bit from a 25-year-old kid years ago who was caught up with an understanding of God, and as he wrote this song, Heart of Worship, and talked about when the music actually fades, and all stripped away, and I simply come. He says, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I want to speak to our our, our middle schoolers, and high schoolers, our our 20-somethings, and those young marrieds who are just trying to sort out what reality is like, You need to realize that you have a God, a creator, who searches deep, who knows your heart. And despite everything that appears to be around you, he is present in your world, whether you see him or not. He sings a song to you, both severe and challenging, but also tender and graceful, whether you hear it or not. The same writer goes on to write the song 10,000 Reasons and the lyrics we said are you're rich speaking of God you're rich in love and you're slow to anger where does he get that idea that God's this way you're rich in love and you're slow to anger your your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I'll keep on singing 10,000 Reasons for my heart to find where does he get ideas like this in pursuing the heart of God and pursuing relationship and trying to grapple with the critical things of the world and reality. He reads things like 1 John, probably, chapter 3, where it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. He probably would have read Psalm 103, verse 8, that says the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Where do you get the idea of slow to anger? Because God says... I'm slow to anger. I'm bounding in love. The psalmist writes in 136, a chapter in the first verse, his experiences of God. He says, give thanks for he's good. Why? His love endures forever. And then it goes on and on with a variety of different situations. And each time repeating it. His love endures forever. There's something solid about it. And for all our screw-ups and all the, the, the dumb things from that we've done or or, or things that we've achieved or failed at, first John chapter one, the writer says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you're a young person here today, I want you to know that there's a God who knows you, knows your name, knows where you live, and you're not alone. There's a melody that's playing that is both severe and gentle and graceful and it's trying to capture your attention. He's searching deep within your heart to see if you resonate with any of the melodies that he's playing towards you right now. God loves justice is another trait. Whatever harm has been done to you, you need to know he is just. He will correct whatever wrong has been done. Maybe not in the time and place that you think, but he will address it. Because he is just, and that is part of his identity. He will always make anything that's wrong right. His goodness, it never changes. His holiness, it means holy means to be righteous, and it means that he's right all the time. Whatever he does is right. Whether I like it or not, he's right. Whether I agree with it or not, he's right you disagree with God, you're wrong. It's simple as that. So if you want to know what's right and how to do what's right, know the character and the nature of God. Take that upon yourself and you'll find yourself entering into the right. I've been to England a number of different times. I've never seen a cuckoo bird. Read about them. See the clocks occasionally. But I'm told that the cuckoo bird is not only common in England, but at the first sign of spring, this this bird kind of takes into action, and it never builds its own nest, I'm told. It's unique that way. When it feels an egg coming on, it finds another nest with eggs, and the parent bird is temporarily absent looking for food. And then the cuckoo lands, lays its egg, and takes off again. Lays its egg, takes off and That's all it does in the way of parenting.
0: Okay. There's
1: a lot of cuckoo parents out there. <laughs> Mostly men. Mostly men. They drop the egg and they take off. Okay. We have a lot of those in society today. There's a thrush, another kind of bird, whose nest has now been invaded. That's the one that cuckoo tends to adva- take advantage of most. It's come back from its food search, circles around, and because it's really lousy at math, at math doesn't realize there's five eggs instead of four. <laughs> doesn't realize this thing's kind of oversized, and so it lands in the nest, and kind of a little, a little bit of a, a list of starbirds starts to just sit on these things, and it will hatch the egg. Eventually, there's these four little thrushes and this one giant cuckoo. It's two to three times the size of the baby thrushes. Ms. Thrush will be politically correct, having had these five little birds, goes off to get some uh, food early in the morning and when comes back with the worm and there's these four little mouths and this one huge gaping mouth, guess who gets the worm? The cuckoo. As time goes on, little ones starve more and more, the cuckoo gets bigger and bigger, the little ones smaller and smaller. And I'm told that to find um, a baby cuckoo In a nest, all that you do is walk along the hedgerow until you'll find um, several of the bodies of small little thrushes, because one by one the cuckoo will throw them out of the nest and kill them. Here's an adult thrush feeding a baby cuckoo that is three times the size of the thrush. We have two natures, young people adult in one nest one nature is the one that God designed for us a song and a melody that we were meant to dance to to bring out the very best in who we are and the very best in the people that we're surrounded by but there is another nature that is in there that destroys and damages and steals you need to determine now which one that you will feed because which one you feed will eventually determine who you are and your eternity as an individual. Despite all the cultural pressings upon you, all the social media and the the peer that's around you, for those of you that are young today, use your youth wisely. For those of you who are old, before it's too late, before the scripture says that the, that the silver chain is snipped and the golden bowl of the light of your life is, is, is dashed, consider what you do. Isaiah tells us in the 40th chapter, even youths grow tired and weary, even young people do. And young men, take a little license here, young men, we stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. The bridge ahead may be out. It may be gone. It may move from Avril's moment to Billy Eilish's moment to the point where you're sitting here not only with no bridge, but you're sitting there in the water. One final point I'd have as far as Jesus is concerned is this. Three different times in scripture, the disciples are going on a boat across Galilee when a storm whips up and the winds get bad and they're terrified, talk about anxious, they're anxious, their anxiety is high. Jesus comes across in one case, you know, Peter walks on the water and all that's good. But but here's the thing that catches me. It's not the miracle of Peter walking on the water, not the miracle of Jesus walking on the water, not all things that go with that. What catches me is this Jesus doesn't just come and, and do the miracle and walk back across the water. He gets into the boat with the guys that are anxious. He gets in with us. You are never alone. Regardless of what may press upon you, regardless of what anxieties are present, whatever storm you face, you have a God that is not only loving, good, and just, not only abounding in grace and mercy, not only severely challenging you in your sin, but patching you up and healing you in the woundedness of your heart. But he is one that is present with you. He is there. Maybe Avril finally caught this on as well because one of her more recent songs coming out of some illness that she had goes like this. It's entitled, Head Above Water. God, keep my head above water. Don't let me drown. It gets harder. I'll meet you there at the altar. As I fall down to my knees, don't let me drown. Don't let me drown. I can't see in the stormy weather. I can't seem to keep it all together. I can't swim the ocean like this forever. And I can't breathe. Don't let me drown. But today I close not with a song from a cultural icon. I to close with a very, very simple scripture and a slight nod to progressive. You've seen one of the commercials recently of uh, these little rodents, these little uh, um, uh, raccoons, and they're into the garbage. And the one sits here and says, Oh, this is terrible. I'll never be able to get this taste out of my mouth. You gotta try this. It's like it's like mango chutney and burnt hair. I wouldn't want to try that. Why would I try that? You gotta try it, really gotta try that. And the idea is that you wanna have something bad in your mouth, you want someone else to try it. Now, I don't understand that. To me, you offer that to me with burnt hair and chutney, you're on your own. And also I wouldn't offer that. I'd be sitting here saying, Don't eat that. Don't have that unless I don't like you, in which maybe that'd be different. I'd say, hey, have a double portion. I don't know. But I don't think so. I'd sit here and say, no, don't have that. I'll tell you what I like. Man, you get a great, really good piece of of New York-style cheesecake with that that thin cream cheese on top and the rest of it down below, and it's so creamy and full. It's just like, oh, man, you gotta have some of this. Like Cheesecake Factory has 1 million calories per slice. (laughs) They're death on wheels, but it's so good going down. Well, my wife this last week made uh, a salmon that is just so she just it's so flaky. I could eat tons of it. It is so good. I'm sitting here going, you got to have some of this salmon. It's not like normal salmon. This is like like imported. It's like it's like it's got its own rules and guidelines and laws. It's Norwegian. It's got blonde hair. It's just it's just different. Try this. It's good. It's so good. And isn't it so good when a friend tries that and they sit here and say, Oh, man, you set me up. Ha, I'm hooked. Psalm 34. The writer says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man or woman, the middle schooler or high schooler. The 20-something trying to sort out college or marriage or that first mortgage. Blessed are they who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord, he's good. He's so good. He is so good. I mean, you'll be hooked. Try him. It is amazing. It will change your life. Your eternity forever. Young people. I'm still a youth pastor. And I weep for you. And I take joy in you. And I see you. And I love you. And I'm not alone. You have a whole church family that cares about you. The culture wants to shape you in a way that will crush you. God wants to breathe life into you. And we want to stand with you in that journey. Old people, same thing. But you're near dead anyway, so I don't know. You know, it's funny what you can say when you get older <laughs> get away with one of our artists wrote a song I've asked them to play brought it to our gathering this past week it's the first time it's been played other than first service and in a moment as the song is played I'm, I encourage you to just let it wash over you before you do that I want to pray with you right now and so I just pray right now I'm just asking God. For those of us who are older, present here, God, I, I ask, Lord, that you would encourage them this day, that, Lord, if they would choose to do so, that they would, they would listen to hear your melody, that they'd hear the severity of their sins, but also the song of grace and, and, and joy that you can bring them as well. That as they taste you, that they would find you good, Lord. And as they repent of their sin and turn to you, that they'd be received by you. And, Father, for our young people, for our middle schoolers and high schoolers, For our college students and for our 20-somethings and trying to sort out where life's going, our young marrieds, God. God, I lift them up to you and I pray that as they commit their life to you, as they would taste you, that they would find you so good. That you'd bring them out of their alienation and into an awareness that you know who they are and where they are that in the midst of their anxieties, in the midst of the storm, that you would even now, as they turn to you, that you'd get into the boat with them and they would know you are present. I ask, Lord, that in these few moments of time that your Holy Spirit would go way beyond whatever words I've uttered.
0: Trying to find my way of peace. The-
1: signs are out there the question is whether you're seeing the the real thing or being caught with just the loudness of what's there as you go into this week I encourage you look at what you're feeding make an effort to starve the one and encourage the other and keep tasting of God keep reading keep praying keep in fellowship keep encouraging love those that are going to be up front here for prayer if you want to come forward Next week, we take the other um, section of this series of signs a little bit more personal. So, Father, I pray your grace, your provision for our middle schoolers, our our high schoolers, our our 20-somethings, our young marrieds. God, just just encourage them this day, refresh their heart by your Holy Spirit. And Father, for the rest of us, give us wisdom and knowledge as to how even to parent or to be grandparents or uncles and aunts and, and friends. Let's encourage one another, Lord, even as the day grows close. In Jesus' name, amen.